Good morning, church. You can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, starting with verse 46. Today, that is the scripture that we will be going through. John chapter 4, verse 46. This is the second sign recorded in the gospel according to John. It is about healing an official's son. You remember the first sign was the wedding in Cana when Jesus uh, transformed the water into wine. This is the second sign. So let us read, starting with verse 43. At the end of two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had become <clears throat> begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at about one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. So, let's review some of the points of this story real quick. Number one, who are the people in this account? Uh, first, we have the government official, the centurion, sometimes uh, it, he is called, the officer. And then we have his son. And then we have his household, which would be his servants, his son, his wife, all of his family members, everyone who lives under his care. And then Jesus, of course, is a main character. What's the location? Well, there are two locations. Uh, number one, Galilee. Jesus has come to Galilee. And that's where he is at. And then there's Capernaum. Or Capernaum. I'm not exactly sure how you like to pronounce that. Capernaum. And these two towns or villages are about 20 miles apart. 20 miles away from each other. That's about seven hours away if you're going to walk that distance. And the fact that the servant reported that uh, the healing 
as being on the previous day would certainly suggest that the uh, government official was doing a walking trip rather than riding a horse or by a cart. So seven hours of walking, 20 miles, one way. What's the problem? A boy was very sick, very sick. There's a lot more to the problem than just that, but at face value, this is the issue at hand. The solution? Well, Jesus. He's always the solution to everything. Jesus. And the result? Well, we'll get to that at the end of this message. So, the first question I have is, if your child was sick, and I mean bad sick, it didn't look good at all, then what would you be willing to do? I think the answer to that question for all of us is, whatever it takes. You would do whatever it took to help your child who was sick. Oh, maybe you can remember a time. A time when you were in this situation, maybe a child or a grandchild was not doing well and hell, you felt powerless when there was nothing you could do. Not all of us have little kids, but I know the feeling is there, the desire to do whatever you can to help a little one out. I'm a grandpa now, and it doesn't matter if it is my child or my grandchild, I would do whatever it takes. Oh, maybe you've never had kids before. You know, God has designed it so that when we look at a little child in need of help, we have a desire to help them. I feel it. I look at any small child and I think, man, whatever it takes to help that kid out that's in need, count me in. I'm there. It's a design that God has put inside of us. Folks, 35 to 45% of our congregation is under the age of 15. According to the average Kansas rural church, we have three different services going on right now. We have this service in this room. And then we have the Youngins Children's Church, uh, which is first uh, preschool through first grade. And then we have the Elementary Children's Church, which is second through fifth grade. So we have a lot of little ones. The question is, how far would you go to save one of our little ones? I think all of us here would not hesitate to walk 20 miles to get help for any one of our kids here today. We would do whatever it takes. This high-ranking officer that John is telling us about 
probably had access to all the best doctors. All the best doctors in that area. He had uh, the ability to hire the best physicians, the best healers, but evidently none of them had been able to help his son. And he had to get help for his little boy. And so when he heard that Jesus had come to Galilee only 20 miles away, he knew what he had to do. He set out on foot. He went the 20 miles to Capernaum to find Jesus and to get him and to take him back with him the 20 miles to heal his boy. Now, there's no reason for us to believe that this man had faith that Jesus was the solution at this point. And that's opposed to the Roman officer or the centurion that we read about in Matthew chapter 8 or Luke 27. And let me read to you another account of a Roman official. In Matthew chapter 8, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am the authority over many men. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I, have, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. Because you believed it has happened. Now, that Roman officer that I just read to you about in Matthew uh, said to Jesus, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. My servant, not my son. And Jesus said to him, and all who were listening, I, I tell you I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. So that's the situation that Matthew and Luke record. But the situation that we read together, that John is writing about, is different. Now, wouldn't it be neat if um, we knew everything that Jesus did? Like if we could have the time to watch a play-by-play -play of all of his life. Last night at the uh, Sweetheart Supper, it, it, there was a lot of fun. What a good time. And so funny to see grown adults playing kids like ki or games like kids would. And I wanted to get a picture of it, a video of it, so that I could show you so that you would be like, next year, I'm going there. Or maybe, you know, I don't want to be embarrassed like that. But every time I would go to pull out my phone to take a picture, I would be laughing so hard that I just would forget to push the record button or I wouldn't get it out in time to capture what was happening. I think it's the same thing here. Can you imagine all the, the, the disciples and the recorders of the Scripture being around Jesus and seeing the miraculous sign and remembering to record it all or 
making sure that they got it all down. Here's what John says in the very last verse of his gospel. Chapter 21, verse 25, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Mm. That's a lot of books. So it, it shouldn't surprise us that Matthew and Luke record one situation and John records another. They're kind of similar. Jesus' mission is always the same. But I don't think it's a good idea to mesh them together to say they're the same story, like some sometimes do. The Roman officer of John's recording goes to Jesus himself. The Roman officer that Matthew and Luke write about uh, sent some Jewish elders to see Jesus. The Roman officer that John wanted Jesus to come, uh, of, of John, the Roman soldier uh, written about by John, wanted Jesus to come back with him. The other officer sent a message for him just to give the command and his servant will be healed. Jesus' response to them was also quite different. He tells the one we read about in John, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And to the one in Matthew and Luke, he says, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Now, I like the second response better, don't you? That's the reason I show you both of these responses and tie both of these stories in. Because if I was to go to Jesus and ask him to heal my small child or anyone that I'm working with, I want to hear this second response. Jesus telling me, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. But if I'm honest, I probably deserve the first response most of the time. Jesus saying, man, you're not going to believe in me 100% totally unless you see a sign or a wonder, a miracle. Mm. The more faith we have in Jesus, the better. The more faith we can have, the better. And so the problem, the solution, and the result was the same in both of these stories. The problem was a boy was very sick, and the solution, as I mentioned, is always Jesus. And so the officer in John chapter 4 really wanted his son to live, so he went to get Jesus. Knew what he had to do. And knew who could heal his boy. At least he knew who he was going to, going to try next. And the scripture says that Jesus heals the son that very hour very hour, but he doesn't do it without communicating that there is something more important than physical life, more important than life here on earth. <clears throat> Look at that top response one more time. Will you never believe in me? 
unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. Oh, the miracles. They are great. The wonders, the signs. A boy being saved from death is amazing. I can't explain how good that is. But the most important thing is that the boy is saved from eternal death. And that can only be done by believing in Jesus. Now I want you to keep three things in mind right here. Number one is we are on a road of discipleship this year. We're talking about what it is to be a disciple and how to uh, make other disciples. Jesus commands us to do this. And the first step on the discipleship roadmap is the welcome. Being welcoming to others who want to uh, join this journey with us, to welcome them in. The second thing I want you to keep in mind is this is a sign. Jesus does miracles, and John records them and reminds us that they were done as signs to get people to believe. This boy being healed is is a sign. But don't miss that John emphasizes one major theme in all of Jesus' teaching. To be a disciple, we have got to believe without seeing. We have to walk by faith, not by sight. The miracles are great. I'll say it again. A a boy being saved from death is amazing, but the most important thing is that the boy is saved from eternal death. And that can only be done by believing in Jesus. The officer pleaded, Lord, please come back with me. Please come back. And Jesus says, go home. Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. I'll bet it didn't take him seven hours to get home. I'll bet that trip was sped up as fast as his legs would take him. Can you imagine the joy that was on his heart when some of his servants met him halfway home and said, your son is alive and well. Can you imagine the excitement, the joy he felt? Now what's the first thing that comes to your mind when this caliber of relief hits you? Maybe you can think of a time where he was really worried about something. Really stressed. Things were really difficult and then somehow the solution was solved. Remember the solution is Jesus. When Jesus steps in and makes something good happen, what's the first thing that hits your mind? For me, it's praise Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank you, God. Now, I don't know exactly if that was the first thing on this man's mind when the servants told him that his son was healed, was doing well and alive. But the very next thing in the text that is that he asked 
his servants when the boy had begun to get better. When? When was it that he he started doing well? You know, he wanted something to praise, but he had to make sure that it was Jesus. So he asked them. They replied yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, and he realized, that's exactly the time that Jesus told me, your son will live. Praise Jesus. Man, I, I love Jesus. And I love kids. And I'm so grateful that our Lord loves kids and that He considers you and I His children. Now let me show you one of my favorite verses. This is one of my favorite verses. The top ten favorite verses of all time of mine. And it comes from a book written by John as well. 3 John 4. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Now this is one of my favorite verses before I was even married, before I even had children. And I didn't know why it was my favorite verse, really, until this week. If you back up a few verses to the first verse of this chapter, it says, this, this letter is from John, the elder. I am writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. Mm. John is not writing this to his own biological child. But he does not hesitate to love and consider another person as his child. John is filled with joy. He does not hesitate to be filled with that joy. The others are following Jesus. Now, you know how the official, government official must have felt when he heard the news. That joy that his son is healed. And, and then, when he got home and hugged his boy, how, how amazing. I can't explain. Do you know how he must have felt? So, keep that in mind. That's how we should feel when someone gives their life to Jesus. That's the feeling that our heart should have when they accept our Lord and Savior. Knowing that the most important thing about this life is eternal life should be our biggest motivation to be a disciple of Christ. How far would you go to save one of the little ones? Well, the first step with anyone is a welcome. Come and see Jesus. Come and see. Look at what He's done in my life. We've studied how the disciples have came to Jesus and, and what they've seen Him do. We discussed the woman at the well last week and how she had this interaction with Jesus and 
he told her some things that nobody else knew, and, and she ran out and said, come and see the man who's told me everything that I've ever done. Come and meet him. Look at what he's done in my life. This sign we've read about today, sign about the officer's boy being healed, what it means is that Jesus is the bringer of life. He brings life. That very hour, He was healed. Now folks, we're coming up on resurrection season. We've got, I think, seven weeks until we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And there is no better no better day to celebrate the excitement of who we are as Christians than the day we celebrate His resurrection because it means we also have a resurrection. So we need to do everything we can to build off of this energy of Jesus being raised from the dead, doing everything we can to welcome others on this road of discipleship to be led by the Spirit in doing this. Now, I can encourage you more to be vigilant in every situation that's offered to you. We talked last week about following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It can be a small thing that you follow, or it can be a, a monumental thing. Be vigilant about His activity in your life. Last, last week I was putting some boards in my semi-trailer and just a small thing happened that, man, it, it reminded me of the importance of this. And I was, had Flint with me and we were stacking boards and there was a 10-foot long or 9-foot long two by eight, and I stood it on in, put it inside the trailer standing up. And Flint was outside loading boards. Something told me, move that two by ten. It's not safe standing up there. And so I did, not knowing, because I've learned, when God puts that little thought in your mind, just do what he says. So I moved it, and then uh, later on I set a small board there that was only four foot long, not thinking about it. And when Flint, outside, about nine feet away from the bottom of where I pushed, had that other board, he slid a board in and hit the bottom of that short board and it fell over towards him. Four feet. Had I left that nine or ten foot board there, it would have fell. Who knows? Could have got him right in the head. That's... that's that could have been a huge thing if it would have happened, but it's a very small, small thing for me to simply do what the Lord tells me at that point in time. Folks, how many small, small things can we do every day that the Lord is prompting us to do to save others from eternal death? To be disciples living out His way for us. And we need to do this for everyone. Not just our immediate family. Are you willing to go 20 miles? 
Do it for the trip home. Do it for that feeling of there is life now, not death. There is eternal life for this person. The results of following Jesus' command, of the Holy Spirit's prompting, of folks that we disciple meeting Jesus, is that they are saved. Here's our kingdom scoreboard for today. I had to take the other side of the perishing side off the board because there wasn't enough room to put everyone on the eternal life side. The Roman official, he believed in Jesus because that very hour his son was healed. The result was not only him, but his entire household, the scripture said, believed in Jesus. Entire household. The boy, his servants, because he went and believed when Jesus said to go back home, your boy has been healed. Last question for today. How many people can you impact and get to this side of the scoreboard? How many people can you put the word of the Lord in their lives so that they make the decision to follow our Lord and Savior? Pray with me now. Lord, we thank you so much for the offer of eternal life. And we thank you that, Lord, we can have eternal life just by putting our faith in you. Lord, we know that you have given us things to do, that our faith is an active faith. Lord, our road to discipleship, we know because you tell us, is, is not easy. It takes effort, but you'll give us strength as we go. And you'll give us guidance. And you'll give us the directions we need. Lord Jesus, we put our faith in you. We ask for forgiveness knowing that you will forgive. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for giving us eternal life. In your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.